Jesus says, when you fast, once again, do not be like the hypocrites who want everyone to see them that they are fasting, but do it in secret. Even hide it. Hide the fact that you are fasting. So you should see the pattern by now quite clearly. Do not be like a hypocrite. Do it in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, it helps us to be less busy with the carnal and more busy with God's kingdom. It brings supernatural breakthroughs. But the reward of fasting that we are trusting God for might be eluding us because we are doing it for people to see it. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife, children and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we humbly come to you in this moment and we dedicate all that we are to do here today. Lord, I ask that you will lead me, guide me and help me to, to share the word that you have broken open, that I will share it in an effective way that changes lives. Lord, I'm so aware of how much I need you. All of us are. Come and teach us, Lord. You are the ultimate teacher, the ultimate rabbi. We are here for you. Speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I hope some of you noticed on your way in today that we had a few of our parking ushers and welcoming ushers dressed up like secret agents. Did anyone notice that? Anyone notice that? All right. As I was studying this, <laughs> well done, Stian. As I was uh, studying this week for this message today, um, God showed me clearly the things to, to focus on. So for now, I'm going to get into that a bit more, but for now, you can see on the, on the screen there, service is today, it's called Secret Service. And we're going to talk about give, pray, fast. Um, but more on that just now. First, we're going to do a quick recap. For those who are joining us for the first time, please know that we are busy with a series about the Sermon on the Mount. The series is called The Teacher because Jesus is in teaching mode as he's talking to his disciples and the multitudes that were there because he healed them. They invited more and he healed them as well. And now there's this massive group of people and Jesus starts preaching to them. And that's what we are going through at the moment, through the books of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I've got good news. We are jumping into chapter 6 today. <laughs> We're done with 5. Uh, we spoke about the Beatitudes, what Jesus means by being blessed. We spoke about what it means to be earth, salt, and world light, and what, what Jesus wants us to do in terms of that. Then we spoke about how He came to fulfill all all of the law and the prophets and how powerful that is. 
And then we did a deep dive into his teaching about murder and adultery at the heart level and what that looks like. And last week, we spoke about marriage, oaths, injury, and our enemies, and what it means for us to say, I didn't do it the world's way, I did it his way, I did it Jesus' way, when it comes to marriage, oaths, injury, and treating my enemies. If you've missed any of those, please go and watch it on our YouTube channel or listen to the podcast and catch up. Um, Podcasts are easy, you put it on 1.5 or 2, and then you hear me (laughs) preach like this, Uh, but you get through it a bit quicker, Uh, so that's one way to do it. So today our message is called Secret Service, Give, Pray, Fast, and I want to add one word at the end which will become clearer a bit later, reward. Secret Service, double teken, what's it in English? Colon, give, pray, fast, colon, reward. All right. It'll make more sense as we go through it. I want to start today with a bit of a personal testimony as we get into this subject. (laughs) A child knows how to make an entrance. I don't know about you, but since I can remember my natural inclination has been to want to impress people so that I can get words of affirmation. I had this need to be liked, to be accepted, to be seen as good enough, and to be praised. Anyone ever felt like that before? You guys are saints, well done. This is how, this is how I remember feeling as a young person. But when I got this affirmation, when I got the praise, I felt loved, and therefore I felt happy. But conversely, when I didn't get it, or when I received negative feedback, I felt very unloved and unhappy. Now, when you have this nature, which I was born with, and you're artistic, and you go into the performing arts, specifically pop music, it can be quite a challenging situation. Because in order to earn a living in the music industry, you need to be the flavor of the moment, the flavor of the month, the week, whatever it might be. And to be that flavor of the week, you need to be liked. What you bring, people must like. It's in the name. Pop is for popular. So whatever is popular, works, sells, and earns you a living. So when you already have this inclination to want to be loved, liked, appreciated, and praised, and now your livelihood depends on it, it can become a very self-centered world that you build. And I did that. Initially, I had all the best intentions in the world, but in order to keep the flame of fame burning... I definitely did allow the fickle opinions of people, my agents, my managers, the record label, et cetera, et cetera, influence my life and my decision making. And when you write songs, it now becomes less and less about saying something deep and meaningful and creative, and it becomes more and more, how can I manipulate 
people's hearts and minds to like the song so that they put it on repeat. Why? So they will buy it. Why? So they will buy tickets to my next show. Why? So that I can make money. That was how it was. So the, the pop idol ends up worshipping two of his own idols, fame and fortune, which has another name in the Bible. It's called Mammon. And that's where I was. Thank God that he sent men of God into my life to rescue me from my own opinion of myself and to save me from the opinion of others. Thank God for men who loved me enough to tell me the truth, the hard truths that my flesh didn't want to hear, but that my spirit longed for. I thank God for men like that in my life. You see, even though I got saved as a 16-year-old, I was still in spiritual diapers by age 24 when I won idols. And God definitely orchestrated things in such a way that I won the first SR Idols competition, even though he knew that I was still in spiritual diapers. But he provided what I needed along the way and gave me many opportunities to choose his way or my way. Like we said last week, his way or the broad way. You see, many times the thing we dream of the most in life, that thing that I want so much, it has the potential to destroy us the most. Because if you want that dream more than you want Jesus, the dream owns you and will swallow you whole. But thank God for His amazing grace. He gave me so many chances, brought me so many people into my life to help me, to challenge me, to pray for me and to help and to love me. Eventually I had the revelation of what it really means to die to self and be alive in Christ. I finally started to realize what it means to carry my cross daily, to not try and save my life, but to lose it for Jesus' sake. I finally understood why that old song said, it's all about Jesus. It's all about you. It's not about me. It's all about you. Do you know that song? Because a lot of us want to sing the song, it's all about me, 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 me. And everything I want, right? We sing that song without even noticing sometimes. And I finally started to learn what life is like when I don't find my worth in others' opinion of me or what I create, but only in who Jesus says I am and what he has done for me and wants to do through me. I remember a pivotal moment in my walk was reading a book called The Call by Oz Guinness, and he had a chapter in there called The Audience of One. And that really spoke to my life. I realized that whatever I do should only ultimately first and foremost be for an audience of one, for God himself. Is he pleased? That's all that matters. I'm sharing this with you today because today Jesus wants us all to step deeper into the way he wants us to live. He said that he did not come to be served but to serve I love that Wumichu didn't know what I was going to preach today. But he came and washed my feet. It's amazing. Jesus knew exactly who he was 
where he came from and where he was going, like I said earlier. And because he knew, guys, he knew that God had given him all things, all things. He knew that. And then he bent down and served. Where are we on that scale? I'm sharing this with you today because we need to know whatever serving looks like according to Jesus. How should we serve? And we need to know that the reward we get from people, their opinions, their applause is short-lived. It is empty. And it has no eternal value. But the reward from our Father in heaven is supernatural and everlasting. So we have a choice. As a child, I was only trying to get the, the reward from people. As a young person, even in the music industry, I wanted just, if only they would like this song, if only they would like this show, you know. And, the, and in, the, in the music industry, there's this thing, you're only as good as your last hit, you're only as good as your last show. And that mindset starts messing with you. Because if no one rocked up at the last show, or there were mistakes and things didn't work out, you decide that, oh, that's my worth, is my last show. It becomes very superficial. Well, we need to learn what Jesus means by serving, and we need to be serving not for a reward from people, but from Him. Amen? All right, so with that as our background, let us jump into our scripture for today. It's a long piece of scripture, all right? At Lovekey, we don't do just one verse and do a whole sermon on that, sorry. <laughs> we like reading the Word, and... This is Jesus speaking. So my advice to you all is listen, because the king is speaking. Amen? I'm going to read the whole part, and then we're going to break it up as I did last week, and we're going to get into each one a bit deeper. Matthew 6 from verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. Some people still don't know what's left and right, but, you know, so you're halfway there. That your charitable deed will be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will Himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. 
Let's do this part together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Pray with me. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now you can stop. <laughs> For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. Tell your face to look happy. That's what he's saying. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your Father, who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Everybody says, Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In the next three topics of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see an interesting pattern emerge from our King's instruction to His disciples. The topics are giving to the needy, charitable deeds, praying, and fasting. These are the three main topics that Jesus discusses. The pattern that we see with each of these topics is don't be like the hypocrites. They have their temporary human reward. Do it in secret where your, father is in, where your Father in heaven will see you. And when you do it in secret, God will, or the Father will, reward you openly. Did you see that pattern? No one's blessed by that already. Okay. First topic, give. He says, take heed. I'm going to read it again because I know short, you know, attention spans. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, that they may have glory from men. They have their reward. But when you do it, do it that your left hand don't know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, that your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. All right, first off. Some of you who've been paying attention since we started this might be saying, hey, wait a minute. Didn't we read in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And then you would be right. You're asking a good question. Did any one of you have that question? Can I skip this point? You might think it sounds the same. Firstly, Matthew 5.16 is about shining our light to the world and speaks of all our good deeds related to being the light of the world. And in Matthew 6, Jesus refers specifically to giving charitably, to giving to the needy. So it's one of the good works. Jesus says, he's focusing here in Matthew 5, it was 
all the good works we do as the light of the world, all right? Secondly, in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus is encouraging in a way that implies people were perhaps unwilling to show the fruit of the light that they have with confidence. And, specific, and it specifically states that it is to so that God will be glorified, so that the focus will be on God and not on the person doing it. So Jesus makes that very clear. You are the light of the world. Let it shine so that people will see the good works and your Father will be glorified. All right? You understand that? Now, here in Matthew 6, we have a specific phrase that's added. It says, to be seen by them. After it says, do not let your charitable deeds, do not do your charitable deeds before men, to be seen by them. In other words, he's speaking to the heart issue. What is your intention? What is your motivation? Why are you doing the charitable deed for men to see it? Do you understand the difference? All right. Jesus gets more specific by referring to the hypocritical tradition or habit of some who blow a trumpet to signal they're about to do something for the needy. I wonder what our modern day and Western culture trumpets might be. Isn't it so apt that we call a selfie a selfie? When we take a photo of ourselves for others to see, for others to admire, for others to comment, it's called a selfie. You know, <laughs> you know how we use the, the syllable ish? Not here in South Africa where we go ish, not that one. In the way that when you want to convey that something isn't quite right or that you missed it or it's non-specific. So, for example, if, if you ran late for a meeting and, and you say, oh, but I was on time, and the other person that's waiting for you goes, eh, ish, you weren't on time really. Or when you are feeling peckish and someone says, are you hungry, you go, ish. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. So today when someone posts a selfie of themselves doing a charitable deed and claims it's unselfish, we might read that and go, not unselfish, rather selfie-ish, selfish. Okay. See what I did there? Uh, okay. Ish. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> but this, this is one of our modern day versions of blowing a trumpet to get glory from men. Jesus says the reward you get from people, the likes, the thumbs up, the positive comments, the reshare, the multiple forwards on WhatsApp, that is the reward. And it has been received and it's done. And then he instructs us that when we give, in other words, whether we should give to the needy is not in question. He says, when you give to the needy, not if you give to the needy, he says, when. So Jesus implies that you will be giving to the needy. But when you do, don't do it this way, do it his way. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And he gives a promise that when you give that way, your father who sees in secret. So now you are giving 
charitably when no one is seeing it. But your father sees it, who's in secret, because only he can. And when you do it like that, he will reward you openly. The reward is not in secret, but in the open, even though the deed was in secret. How amazing is that? So what do you think is a reward from God? I want to know. What's the reward? I, I, I thought about it for a bit, and I actually read up on it. Couldn't find any like, great, powerful answers that made me feel, yes, this is it. So I just... This is what I think, based on my time in the Word. I believe that God's reward that we receive from doing the right thing in secret is His supernatural favor that will be seen in the open. An unexplainable blessing that others will see and go, how did that happen? Why are you so blessed and highly favored? They won't use those words, but another word could be vindication. When you were wronged, but you kept doing the right thing. When people were saying you are greedy and selfish because they don't see that you are doing something, but you are doing something. You don't try to defend yourself. You keep doing, and you make sure your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. God will eventually, in His timing, Display openly what you've been doing and you will receive your reward. And I also think his reward is one that has eternal value. It has eternal value. When we are, we are in a way, when we do things his way, we are sowing supernatural seed for a supernatural harvest. And the reward is that harvest. Amen? Does that make sense? All right. So when you do give charitably, how will you do it from now on? Church, yes, and if we do it, it's to glorify God. Who gets the glory when we do the right thing? God, amen? amen. When we read this together with Matthew five twelve, we should go, wow, my light has to shine. It's all about His glory. All right, let's move on to pray. He then says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Once again, he brings in that motivation. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Okay, then he goes into the prayer and he says to forgive others. I'm not going to re repeat all of that. Once again, he starts with, and when you pray. It's not if. Jesus is assuming that you will be praying. And that you are making it a lifestyle. Amen? So when you pray, it, so he's saying it's not optional. It's a given. It should happen. It's a vital part of a believer's life. Now, when you do pray, do not be like, once again, the hypocrites who do it in a way and in locations that will let them be seen by other people. Once again, the motivation of the heart is not to glorify God. It's to be seen and be glorified by people. You see that? So the hypocrisy lies in that the motivation of their hearts, once again, is all wrong. They're doing it for a reward from people. And once again, 
they get that. They get a temporary, natural, short-lived reward from mere mortals. And they're basically saying, wow. Well, what they want to hear from people is, wow, look at how holy this guy is. Hear the big words and the long sentences he's using. He must be a, a real believer. Okay, so what do we do? What does God want us to do? He says, go into your prayer room. Go into the space that you've dedicated to pray. Close the door and be in the secret place where God is. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God is waiting for us to create moments intentionally where we draw near to him. Jesus is instructing us to go to a private place, a secret place. Why? No distractions. And focus on Jesus. This is what he wants us to do. If you do not have a space like this, I want to encourage you to create one. Or at least carve out time when there is a space that's quiet. If you don't feel guilty, if you don't have a door that you can't close. It's about solitude. It's about being away from everything else and focusing on Jesus. Amen? But if you do have a prayer closet like many people or a prayer room, how amazing is that? How many of you have, have walked into a prayer room and you just feel the presence of God in such a powerful way? Anyone? That's really something special. And that's something you can create in your home. And let our homes be a place of prayer. Let our homes be covered in prayer so that when people walk into our homes, they will sense the presence of God. Amen? Once again, God's, Jesus says he, if we do that, if we pray in secret that way, that he will reward us openly. And in that sense, I believe this may mean that he answers our prayers so that others can see that the prayers have been answered. Imagine that. People didn't know you were praying for something. It happens, and they go, wow, you're lucky. It's like, no, no, no. God blessed me. He gets all the glory. Amen? That's our reward in the open. Then there's a second warning. On this topic, Jesus has a second warning. He says, do not pray using vain repetitions like the heathens do. First, he compares attention-seeking prayers with hypocrites in the synagogues like Pharisees. Now, he points to heathens, unbelievers, pagans, people in the world. Vain repetitions with the intention of conjuring up something supernatural for your fleshly desires is against God's will. One could even understand this to, means, this to mean spells or mantras or a form of witchcraft of some kind because he's talking about heathens repeating stuff. But something that I think us as Christians sometimes step into that is something that we also need to be aware of is forming a bad habit of repeating the names of God and certain sort of Christianese phrases in our prayers that have lost its meaning because I'm just repeating it. For example, I'm going to try and explain this by how we would talk to a normal human being that we are in relationship with. So imagine I talk to my wife like this. Aleta, will Aleta please make some food for me, please, Aleta? Really, Aleta, I mean it sincerely from my heart, Aleta. (laughs) 
Some of you pray like that. Lord God, Jesus Father, I really want you, Lord God Father, to please bless me in this day, Father God. And you repeat, 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 repeat. He knows that you're talking to him. He is the almighty God. He made you. The vain repetition that is nonsensical of his name can get to a point of blasphemy if you're not careful. His name carries power. It carries weight. And if you've already established that you're speaking to him, you can keep speaking as a son, as a daughter, to your father in heaven. If you speak in a much different way to God than to those who are close to you, you might need to go, why do I pray like this? Where did I learn to pray like this? Because Jesus' prayers are very conversational and intimate. He only says, we're going to get into that now, Father in the beginning. So let us not be those Christians who repeat phrases and the names of God when we pray, just because it's a habit. Let it be intentional and God-honoring and God-focused. Amen? So I'm going to challenge you. If you're at Connect and you get a chance to pray and you slip into this habit, your Connect leader can give you a little slap on the head. Go, no, stop it. We don't pray like that. Amen? Do you agree? Okay. <laughs> Another way to say this is to say that pray from an intimate relationship with God. Just because you love Him so much, you can't wait to spend time with Him. And when you do, you want to listen more than you speak. And when you do speak, it's from a place of love and intimacy. Amen? And if some of you struggle with that, if you feel like my words are hitting the ceiling, or I don't know if God is really listening to me, then there's many reasons why that could be happening. But one of the main ones might be that you learned to pray a certain way, and you think if you don't pray that way, that He won't listen. But here He says, don't pray with weird repetitions and from all these things. Just be real. Just be authentic. Amen? You are there now alone in a room with the door closed in the secret place. Be vulnerable. Be real. Be authentic with your Father. Does that make sense? And then He encourages us with the truth that our Father already knows what we need. So He says, you don't have to bring your shopping list. He knows. He knows what you want. He knows what you need. Did you know that if you don't have something in the house, God is not surprised? He's going, huh? Michael, quickly, we slipped up. That family doesn't have bread. He's not surprised. He's not shocked. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He knows what you need all the time. And if there's something not happening or something not in place that you expect or think should be that way, there might be a reason why. Hey, here's an idea. Go into the secret place, close the door, and ask Him. Many of us don't know because we don't ask. Many of us don't have 
because we don't spend time with God. Many of us don't have because we may have missed something that he wanted to show us. There could be many reasons. But I, what I can tell you is it all starts in the secret place with him. Amen? Then he tells us how to pray. And this is profound. We're going we're gonna to get into this for a bit. I once followed a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, where they did one line per week. So this can become a whole thing. But I'm going to try to just lift out to you the main points that will hopefully help you to pray. Because Jesus told us a prayer to say, but I believe he also gave us a way to pray. What are the focus points that should be in our prayer life? So we need to pay attention and go, when I am praying, am I touching these important points? Amen? All right. So he starts out by saying, our Father in heaven. Just with this line, Jesus introduces a concept that was new, radical, and for some in the community he was speaking to, even blasphemous at the time. Because they would never have thought that Yahweh is a father. It was a foreign concept to them. So by saying our father, he already has their attention. Like, how can you call him father? This already shook their world, but also taught them an amazing truth, which was one of Jesus' main missions, to introduce the father and the heart of the father to the Jewish people and the rest of the world. So right there in line one, their worlds and our worlds are forever changed. We have a father. We have a father. Amen? Yo, some of you might struggle with that idea because of the example you had as an earthly father. But I want you to know that your heavenly father is the perfect dad. He is Abba. He loves you like a father is supposed to love you. And in this line, he also teaches us to acknowledge where our father is actually seated where he rules and reigns from, and this includes the acknowledgement of the importance of the fear of the Lord. So in this one line, we recognize he's in heaven, and we choose to fear our God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Amen? Then he says, hallowed be your name. What is this? It's saying, holy is your name. We are to praise Him. We are to lift Him up and declare His holiness. Our prayers should be filled with praises to our God. Then He says, Your kingdom come. We know now He is a Father seated in heaven and that He is holy. All of this implies He leads a kingdom, a supernatural spiritual kingdom from heaven. And Jesus teaches us now to pray that this kingdom of our God who is in heaven, that it will come, that we have to invite it in. We have to host it and we have to share it. When you pray, are you kingdom-minded? Or are you earthly-minded or even worse, self-minded? Or are we praying that His kingdom will come in our lives? Then he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
We acknowledge that our Father in heaven is sovereign as King of His kingdom, and His will is the ultimate rule by which we and everyone on earth should live. He, his will is already being done in heaven. Can we agree on that? He runs heaven. He's the king. It is running according to his decrees and leadership. We should ask that his will that's already being done in heaven will be also done on earth. This also reveals the will of God Oh, sorry, this reveals the will of the Godhead that His will shall be done in the earthly realm. Why would Jesus tell us to pray like this? Because it's God's will that His will be done on earth. And He's telling us that we are the agents that can bring His will into this realm. Some of you don't get that. You look at your life and your house and your marriage and you go, I can't do anything about this. No, you are lied to. You can bring the will of God, the kingdom of heaven into your marriage, into your workplace, into your family. You have the authority. You have the ability. What you may lack is the faith. The fact that we are instructed to pray it says to me that we are, on the, we are to be doers of His divine will on earth and introducing it to others. Then He says, give us this day our daily bread. We just heard that God knows what we need. Did you notice that nowhere in this prayer Jesus uses the word, please? Please, Daddy. Nowhere in this prayer is the word please. Did you ever notice that? He says, give us this day our daily bread. Interesting. Imagine your child saying to you in the morning, give me this day my cereal. <laughs> in our culture, that might come across as rude. But here I believe we can see the assumption that God already knows what we need for that day. And we just activate it by saying, give me what has already been designated for me. It's not disrespectful. It is a faith step that honors God. Amen? Do you know that you have a portion for today? Later in this chapter, we're going to see how, how Jesus says, don't worry about the day of tomorrow. It brings its own worries. That's why he instructs us to pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. Don't go to Willie's and buy for the week, guys. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He knows what you need. What is that? Food, clothing, and the necessities of life. He's got you covered. Do you believe it? And do you trust him for that? And it also implies that the one that is asking has the faith that it will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. I believe you will. I'm expectant to see the, the hand of God move. Hallelujah. Then he says, and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
Debts are sins or trespasses. Some other translations use the word trespasses. It's wrongs that have been committed against us. He says, forgive our debts, forgive our sins, and, or as we forgive our debtors. So in that line is already combined that I need to know daily, I need to ask forgiveness. And I also daily need to forgive others who trespassed against me. It implies the very important understanding that we are to be very aware of the debt from which we have been forgiven and set free. Why? This keeps us humble and helps us to have grace for others. Jesus is helping us through this prayer to always remember daily what He has saved us from. If you are acutely aware of what Jesus saved you from, what He has forgiven you of, then you will be much more humble and gracious towards others who wrong you. Do you hear that? And when I remember what I've been forgiven of, I can more readily forgive others. And then he says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. <coughs> Excuse me. He says, do not lead us into temptation. He says, Pray to the Father, Father, do not lead us into temptation. Sounds a bit weird, right? Have you ever stopped and thought about that? Or you just recite the prayer when someone starts it? Here Jesus instructs us to ask God to not lead us into temptation. In, in the young literal translation, it specifically states the following, And mayest thou not lead us into temptation. Specifically saying, God, please don't lead me into, not please, don't lead me into temptation. I think you'll agree that every moment of every day, there are multiple distractions and happenings that can tempt us into unbelief and disobedience. Every day, many moments, right? Remember how Jesus showed us that the law is there to show us the mark of where we should aim. The law is there to show us what God's will is for our lives. That's the mark. Sin is missing that mark. That's and when we sin, when we do a trespass, we stand guilty before God. Now, it says, do not lead us into temptation. The word into is important. Let us not enter the inside of temptation. It does not say, do not let us be tempted. It says, do not lead us into temptation. Remember, to be tempted is not to sin. Jesus was tempted, but never sinned. Sin is falling for the temptation and acting on it. So asking God to keep us out of temptation is asking Him to help us to not fall into the sin when we are tempted. This is supported by the rest of the line, but deliver us from the evil one. Give us this day implies that we need to pray daily. And then this implies that we will be tempted daily and that the evil one will be coming for us daily. How many of you know the enemy is out to kill you, steal you, and destroy, steal from you and destroy you? Every day. He doesn't stop. When we put these thoughts together, we can see that being led into temptation is the same as being captured by the evil one. In other words, to sin. So we ask that God will lead us to not fall for the temptations we are faced with daily when it comes to each day, and that we will remain in His will. Do we understand that? 
And then we end the prayer by saying, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We are to end our prayers by praising and exalting our powerful and glorious Father in heaven, declaring who He is and how He holds it all together. Do you think that God needs to hear this? Do you think He needs to hear this? This is not us that needs to be reminded of this. Why would we end a prayer by saying to you be all the glory, all the honor, so that we don't go, maybe some of the honor is mine. Maybe some of the glory is mine. Maybe today I deserve. No, no, no. End your prayer with all the focus on Him. Amen? We need to be reminded of this truth that that is why we are instructed here to meditate on it daily. When we pray this, we meditate. When we say these words, our minds start to come in line with who we're supposed to be and how we are supposed to think. You see, the world thinks that the glory belongs to them. Most of the world religions will teach you that actually you are God. And it's all about you. And he is saying, no, it's all about him, lifting him up. Now, Straight out of this prayer, straight, straight out of the Lord's prayer, Jesus immediately says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This clearly refers back to the line about forgiving us as we forgive our those trespasses against us. It's referring back to that part of the prayer. It's a sobering statement by Jesus. He literally says that if you do not forgive others, God will not forgive you. I cannot sugarcoat this because there's no sugar lying around in this sentence. It is the way it is. Accept it, believe it, obey it. Just a tip, whether you believe a biblical truth is true or not doesn't make it less true. It's just a tip. Because some people go, I don't like this line. I'm just going to take it out of my Bible. My friend Picard says, some people take so many parts out of the Bible they don't like. They just have two pages, Old Testament, New Testament. <laughs> so if you ignore this instruction, because you think it can't be that literal, and you don't forgive people, you might close your eyes in this realm one day, and open them up somewhere you were not expecting. And it was by your own choice, because Jesus told it to you. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but I, I don't like that guy, I hate that guy, I don't forgive those, and I, I will never forget what they did to me. Ooh. And I know it's hard, it's very hard. It's hard to forgive for real and forget when you've really been wronged. But if you've been following this, you would see that Jesus has been keeping telling us, die to self, die to self. It's not about you. It's not about you. Amen? Yo, this is already that late. Luckily, this one's called fast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Jesus says, when you fast, 
Once again, do not be like the hypocrites who want everyone to see them that they are fasting. But do it in secret. Even hide it. Hide the fact that you are fasting. So you should see the pattern by now quite clearly. Do not be like a hypocrite. Do it in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. Again, the word when. Jesus is saying you have to fast. It should be a regular habitual thing of your Christian life, a healthy rhythm that you have in your Christian life. Not if you fast, when you fast. As Christians, fasting should be a normal part of our lives. Guys, I don't like fasting. You can ask my wife. I don't like it. I really don't. But I love the fruit of fasting. And I know by now that something changes in my life on a spiritual level when I do that. It kills the flesh. It moves our attention from our bodies and our souls to our spirit in a very effective way. It is awesome. It helps us to be less busy with the carnal and more busy with God's kingdom. It brings supernatural breakthroughs. But the reward of fasting that we are trusting God for might be eluding us because we are doing it for people to see it. In other words, I'm, I'm fasting for a reason. At the end of my fast, I don't see the fruit of that reason. Perhaps the reason is that you showed your fasting to the whole world and your reward has already been received. God had a reward for you. It was in the fasting. But because everyone knew that you were fasting, his reward was kept back. That's what I'm seeing here. What are you seeing? It makes sense, right? It makes sense. He says, do it in, this, in secret. Hide it from others so that your God who sees in secret will reward you openly. Then when he does what you prayed for in your fast and no one knew you were fasting for that thing, you can say, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. How did this happen? Dude, I fasted and I said, God, please do this. And he did it. Wow, that's amazing. I'm going to fast as well. Okay, yes, you can, but just do it in secret. <laughs> then it works. <laughs> Does it make sense? All right, let us stand to reflect and respond to the Word of God. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.